and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Miami Herald. Anthony, how's it going? Good. It's been a tiring few hours, very busy few hours. Uh, you know, the trade deadline is always, no matter what happens, it's always pretty busy and tiring. Yep, uh, we are checking in. It is uh, a little before 5 p.m. on the East Coast. Anthony is in Sacramento now, I believe. Uh, was flying from, I'm not from sure. LA, <laughs> from LA to Sacramento during the trade deadline. So as soon as he landed and got to his hotel, we were like, "All right, we gotta we gotta talk about this," um, because it ended up being a pretty eventful trade deadline. You know, we weren't we really, we really weren't sure which way it was gonna go, and um, obviously, you know, everyone listening by now knows. He made a, uh, a six-player trade, um, sending Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and James Johnson to the Memphis Grizzlies in exchange for Andre Iguodala, Solomon Hill, and Jay Crowder. Um, and what were just kind of your big-picture thoughts is kind of this stuff started, uh, you started hearing some rumblings of this. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll start with the final deal, and then we'll talk about where how we kind of got here. But just that, that final deal, what, what do you think? Uh, I think it. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Heat. You know, a lot of people I've talked to, a lot of agents, agents around the league, have just kind of said, I don't know how the Heat pulled this off. One guy, one agent said it was a it was a genius move. I mean, it it just works. I mean, not only, you know, obviously you part with an asset in Justice Winslow, yeah. who that's the part that hurts with this deal. You know, he had potential. He was part of that young core, um, but. He hadn't been playing this season. He played 11 games. So, you know, that's kind of the one piece that, you, that hurts to part with. But then you get off of the contracts of Dion and James, which have two years left, and which really they've been, they haven't been rotation players for most of the season. I mean, James for a little bit, mm-hmm. Dion really never. Um, and there's been off court issues with both. So that, you know, that you get rid of that. Then you bring in a guy like Andre Gudala, who. You know, we're going to see what type of player he is at this point. He hasn't played since June. He's just turned 36. Um, but theoretically, he helps his team with his defense, his experience, his leadership, um, if you believe in that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but but obviously, defensively, like, this team needed help at the wing position, and that's what he brings. I mean, he's a for, former Finals MVP. He's won three championships. Like, that's that kind of fills a need for the Heat. And then Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder – you know, Jay Carter might end up being in the rotation. He's he's he has his he in every game for Memphis this year, I think, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. He he has. I mean, you look at his on-off numbers; they have not been good. So I'll start there. I know he's not like kind of considered a three and D guy, um, but his three-point shooting has kind of dipped in recent years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then defensively, he you know the numbers haven't been great this season either, but. You know, he seemed to find they find a way to get the most out of these three and D players. So, I, I think you know he seems like a kind of Heat type of player. Uh, I think he might be part of the rotation at some point this year. And then Solomon Hill is good depth, you know, in the front court. So, makes a lot of sense personnel wise. But then find when you get to this salary cap stuff, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. They open up twenty seven million dollars in cap space next year, maybe forty million dollars if Kelly opts out. They preserved 2021, you know, uh, maximum level cap space, which was a big uh, goal for this team. You know, they, they wanted to keep that cap space open. And then they also lowered the tax bill by more than $3 million this season. So just all around, it just seems like a deal that works for the Heat. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is it's really obvious that Eric Spolster and, and Pat Riley are 
hate not having an elite defense, right? Like, that was the entire thing was, like, I mean, you know, we were talking, when we talked in our, like, trade deadline preview stuff over the last few weeks, the whole idea was, like, could they live with being this team? Could they live with being a, te- a team that has a chance to have, you know, push up against maybe a top five offense if everything's hitting right, but be a middle-of-the-pack team on defense? And clearly they just are not, you know, that goes kind of contrary to their identity. Um, you know, obviously with this trade, assuming, yeah, I think we were kind of under the assumption that, there was a really good chance Justice wasn't going to come back. Obviously, you, you know, you improve in the short term. Um, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll kind of dive into the long-term implications uh, in a few minutes. But I'll, I'll just play the contrarian because uh, ultimately I still think, you know, this deal makes sense. It gets, you know, Dion off your books, gets James Johnson off your books. I think the long-term, um, you know, salary cap implications are, are really helpful. Um and, you know, obviously Justice, it's not like he is, you know, a two-time All-Star at this point. He's a guy who's still trying to take that leap, and obviously his growth was stunted this year. But to play the contrarian, um, you know, are we really expecting Andre Iguodala to be that good, I guess is one of the the, the big questions. Is, is, is he really a guy that, you know, is worth being the centerpiece of a trade that ships out a guy like Justice Winslow? Um, considering last season he looked pretty bad in the playoffs. And, you know, he's a guy – I know his the regular season numbers don't matter, but, you know, he averaged 5.7 points per game last year. Like, there are major question marks about how effective he's going to be. Obviously, he fits the culture, and, you know, this is a team that's got a lot of guys in their first postseason this year. Um, and, obviously, he helps in that regard. Um, and then I guess the other part of, like, this that I – I think, obviously, people are, you know, Justice Winslow is a lot of big fans among the Heat fan base, and this really does kind of feel like selling low on him, which I think is the biggest. Um, I think that's a fair thing to be kind of, I don't I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but, like, man, if they had traded Justice this offseason, this, like this past offseason, obviously you have no idea that this injury stuff is coming and, and will tank his value, but you had traded him six months ago, you would have been able to get something much better than, than Andre Iguodala, I think. Yeah, and, and look, I, I am more of a Justice fan than most. I really thought he had solid potential. But I will say this, like, look, I think we, I think that he learned their lesson a few years ago when they coveted their quote-unquote projects yeah. more than most teams, you know, and they held on to them too long. Um, and, you know, Justice, we, we could say all we want. He has potential. He's young. He's shown flashes. He was never going to – probably going to be a superstar. I mean, that's just no. – Yeah, just, I mean, his ceiling is probably to be a, an all-star a handful of times. Maybe. Yeah. And maybe. to the West, that's probably not. Possible. If moving in the East. Yeah. That's, like, best possible scenario. And really, probably, like, on a really good team, he's, like, the seventh man, you know, or sixth man. He's not, you know – uh you know, a, a clear starter on a really good team. So he wasn't even a clear starter on the Heat. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I think we have to, like, as much as I think Justice is, is good and he has a bright future, he's not, you know, John Morant, obviously, or yeah. even Bam, or even, I mean, J, you could say Jay Rich is better, really. Um, yeah. so and, and 23 is not as young, I think, as some people spin it in the NBA when you have guys in their 20, like, right. you know. His you fourth know, or fifth year, yeah. yeah. When John Morant is like an All Star at nineteen, and obviously like Jaws, a rare case, but like you know, guys are, you kind of know what a guy is by the no. time he's twenty. Yeah, 
And, and, and yeah, I mean, you don't know what Aguilar is going to bring. You know, it, it could be really helpful. It could be maybe not what we think. But I think a big part of this and is getting off of those contracts for James and Dion. You know, that's, that's yeah. not – you don't don't undersell that. Because so that that's, that's the big reason why I say this was a, a good yeah. trade, a smart trade. I think that is when you're talking – you know, when you said you have agents texting you about this trade, that's what they're mostly referring to, I would think. Yeah, and like – Many thought those contracts were untradeable. You know, right. I spoke to Bobby Marks from ESPN, who was a former NBA executive for the Nets, and he, I talked to him about those contracts, and he's like, they're just not going to get traded. Like, no, they're they're untradeable. Two years left, maybe next year when they're expiring. But the fact that you got rid of them and you didn't have to pres- – you, you actually lowered your tax bill, you opened up space next year, and you kept your 2021 space, and you added what you hope to be a very, uh, you know, important piece for you over the next few years. Like, that's – I think that's the big thing here. Um, and, you know, the Heat, they're going to have cost space next summer. Not many teams have space. So, theoretically, I know they didn't get Gallinari this year, but Gallinari is going to be a free agent. And if Kelly opts out and the Heat want to sign Gallinari to a one-year contract that's worth, I don't know, $25 million, just overpay for one year, they could do that. So this could this trade could turn into Iguodala, Jay Crowder, you know, Jay Crowder will be not on the team next year, maybe because he's on an expiring deal. But it couldn't turn into Igudala and Gallinari, so we just don't know what that cap space next summer is going to turn into. Some have even said Anthony Davis, David. I don't know yeah. if you heard that, but yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I don't right, think that's likely. But let's let's first talk about the Gallinari part of this, and then we'll talk about what this means for the offseason because that was, um, you know, Wednesday afternoon, evening, I guess. Uh, kind of like the the rumors started trickling out in the reports and, and basically that the Heat were, you know, had this deal pretty much in place for Iguodala and everything seemed like it was pointing toward the direction of they would get Iguodala and Danilo Gallinari. Um, and then uh, that was a deal that got pretty much everyone excited um, because, you know, Gallinari is, I think, really good. Um, you know, he's not an all-star or anything, again, but he is... You know, he'd be the starting power forward on this team, I think. You would, or at least, like, you kind of crunch yeah. time power forward. Um, yeah. So I, I think a lot of the, maybe the, you know, that that's probably coloring some of, like, the the more pessimistic reactions of, like, oh, we're so close to getting this guy, too. Um, so what what, what kind of happened there? Why did, why did that end up falling through? Well, it wasn't compensation with players or picks. I think the Heat were, gonna, were willing to give up, you know, to remove the protections from the 2023 pick. It, 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 you know, it owes Oklahoma City. So that way it could give the Oklahoma City also its 2025 first-round pick. I think right. that was – the Heat were willing to do that. But uh, they offered Danilo, it seems like, a very similar extension uh, they offered, that they, got, they sent Iguodala to. Two years – with team option 2021, so that way the Heat, you know, they don't, they can still keep that cap space that right. summer just in case they need it. Right. And Gallinari is in a different situation, Andre. Gallinari is what 31, 32. Yeah, uh, he's looking for that last big contract. Yeah. He's looking exactly. So I get that side. Like he's looking for his big contract. He didn't want to, you know, basically a one-year deal. He's looking to cash in this summer for a long, more of a long-term, you know, guaranteed years contract and. They just couldn't agree on that. I mean, and that's basically that's the biggest reason it fell through and it didn't happen. Yeah, and then ultimately it's not worth giving up that that extra first round pick because you know removing the protections on that one, like the Heat 
Well, it's the 2023 pick that he'd expect to be like a playoff yeah. team. So the projections right. don't really matter, but but throwing in that extra pick for a rental, not yeah. worth it for a, a couple month rental. That there's no guarantee he's going to come back. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could make the argument. Maybe it. I mean, you know, I had people tweeting me saying it's worth it. I mean, it's he makes you like a legitimate contender in the East, and maybe that's true. But I mean, the Heat don't have any picks. Maybe you trade that 2025 pick. You're basically saying. That's it, you know, and and yeah, maybe the Heat won't end up using that pick, but you want to have some type of draft capital to yeah. use it and in a possible deal at some point, and the Heat would have yeah. they basically would have none. So well, that that loophole you mentioned of they can remove the protections and unlocks that pick, um, that's something they should like be trying to do. Like I don't know how you do it now, but like I don't know if you can say hey take the protections off, but that's so much more valuable. I think to have that extra asset floating around. Yeah, you know, it's tricky because I think – I have to double-check on this, but I think they could only do it when they're in trade negotiations with Oklahoma City. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't think they could just do it like – Send them Gabe Vincent. What? Send yeah, them right. Gabe Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I, it's kind of tricky, um, but it is something definitely, you know, I think that should be explored. I mean, if you could unlock just one first-round pick, it's very valuable if you're trying to trade for a big name. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I guess the Gallinari part of it, like, I kind of, I don't think it would have put him over the top. That's a, that's a deal that you had to get that extension. I, I agree on that front with their ultimate decision there. Um, yeah, yeah, it got done because I think this team would have been awesome, and you know maybe they finished second in the East, but I still don't know if that puts them over the top to like really contend with these LA teams or, or even maybe Milwaukee. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it would have made this. I think they would have had a chance to win the East with Gallinari. I really yeah. do. So I, gu- I guess the real case is that, you know, anytime these, like, super teams sort of form, you know, like, you think back to the Heat in 2010, like, or I guess it was the 2011 finals, right? Um, that's always kind of – that's kind of the year you can sneak in. Like, if you think that these L.A. teams are going to be a little bit of a dynasty, then this this is a year to, to go all in. Um, yeah. Ultimately, the Heat's plan is obviously much bigger than, than – Contending for one year, they want to be the the next dynasty in from twenty twenty two through twenty twenty five or whatever. Yeah, and I, and look, I don't I don't know this for certain, but I think all signs indicate that the Heat have they might know something. I mean, for them to like, they're really going all in in twenty twenty one. You know, and maybe that's just to have good, they're confident in themselves and their ability to attract a star because they've done it before. But they have to have some type of good feeling about their chances with some of these guys, whether it's Giannis, which I don't know. I mean, that's up in the air. Maybe not him, but, but you know, so Oladipo. Yeah. Yeah, Oladipo, who, you know, has you know, one of those guys that's looked up to Dwayne Wade and kind of has spent his off-seasons in Miami or, you know, other free agents. That, they, they just have a good feeling that they'll be able to use that space, you know, for a pretty good player that summer. Yeah. All right. Um, so everyone knows that obviously the reason – yeah, well, basically what you were just saying. They're, they're, we're never going to go into 2021 to uh, disrupt that cap space. But now the 2020 uh, option is, is there, which is something that because I think because we thought that they weren't going to be able to get off that Dion or that James Johnson contract, which is not something we had thought about at all. Right. And by the way, this is, you know, I think last week our big question was, like, are the Heat going to make a trade? I think our assumption should from now on just always be yes. Like, they're going to figure – they're always going to figure out something. Like, it's same in the offseason. Like, oh, they're going to stand pat for a year. But, no, they're always going to try to figure out something. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're at the stage where Pat Riley is 
at his most creative right now, I think. Um, yeah, and Andy Alfred. He looks engaged, huh? He looks like engaged yeah, in this thing right he's, now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, <laughs> I haven't seen uncut, uncut gems, but uh, like the you know the the meme where it's Adam Sandler like saying this yeah. is how, and that's like I haven't seen the movie, but that's what I'm assuming this is like. <laughs> um, yeah. So so 2021 now. Um, what like what does this do? What are obviously they have now they have enough room for a max contract, right? Which would be the big fish this offseason is Anthony Davis, which is basically you're you're hoping something goes awry in LA to get him. Like he didn't sign that extension, but it's I would think he's staying there. Um, but what what are some of the kind of the other maneuvers they can do now this offseason? Um, you know, to lock up, you know, I guess Derek Jones Jr. now is could potentially get a long-term deal without disrupting too much. Just like, what, what, what does this now do, um, having this room in 2020 going into 2021? Yeah, well, it obviously gives them the the power. If you know, maybe this thing doesn't work out. Maybe they're losing the first round still. That's yeah. obviously still a very real possibility. And they don't. They want to make changes, and then now they have the space to do that. Or they like this core. This core shows promise, and they say, Goron, we want to give you one a one-year deal at you know probably more money than than market value just because it's one year and mm-hmm. over, you know, overpay him while still keeping 2021 open. Um, same thing with Myers, maybe, who's on an expiring contract. Um, and then you give Derek Jones maybe a multi-year deal. Like, they have the space now to do that, you know? Yeah. They have they have Myers bird rights. They have Derek, they have, uh, Derek Jones bird rights. Um, they always have Goron's bird rights. So they can exceed the salary cap to sign those guys, and now they have the space to make that happen. I mean, I think before this trade, we all assumed, you know, Derek – they're not gonna have the money to sign him, right? And now they do, so they could bring back this core if they like it. It could this could be a two like you know basically a two season run, two postseason run until twenty twenty one where they will where they will be really competitive, or this could not work out and then they'll have the money to go out there and maybe sign Gallinari or maybe sign you know Demar Derozan has a has yeah a they have option. flexibility to make a trade exactly they have flexibility um Anthony Davis you mentioned Anthony Davis which yeah that's kind of probably a pipe dream right now but you just never know the NBA as we all have all learned is very unpredictable yeah. so so with, with the Derek Jones part of it basically he was because now they can give him a multi year extension at this point but he was he at the before this trade he was kind of the the, the James Johnson and Dion contracts are basically basically blocking them from doing that right. Like, they can extend him into the, the 2021, like, beyond, it's not just a one-year deal they can give him now, right? They, yeah. they can keep him multi-years without would, adopting 2021 cap space. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, but, I yeah, I right now, the, the, the point is, is that for Derek, obviously they're going to have to give him a multi-year deal because he's not going to be looking for a one-year deal at this point yeah, of his career. Yeah. looking for a payday. Um, but... Yes, it, this gives them the freedom to offer him that multi-year extension without basically eliminating the possibility of a max player. An extension for Derek, if possible, would have never screwed up the 2021 cap space. There just wasn't room to pay him in 2020 because of those two contracts. Exactly. You would have been basically over the like, cap. Like if, he, if he was coming out a year, like if, if his contract was up through next through next year, he, it would have never been an issue. Right, it is what it, I mean. It would have they could have done it, but it would have been a crazy tax. Right, like, yeah, yeah. Tax bill. like yeah. this basically alleviates that problem. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it just it just opens up a lot of possibilities, which again is one of the reasons why I think this trade is good in the long run. Again, yeah. justice, you know, if he ends up being an all star and everything that 
all of his fans thought he would be with the Heat, he should be with the Heat, um, then maybe we might look back on this and be like, well, maybe the Heat sold low. But I just, I think realistically, um, this is a good trade for the Heat. And you no, know, Memphis too. Memphis got a, another young piece. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind cool. of is, it's weird because the Heat have all these young guys to talk about, like, how Justice is not on the same timeline. Because, you know, he's about to, you know, he's kind of hit his prime in two years or whatever, theoretically. But, like, um, he fits with that Memphis timeline where now he's kind of like the wily veteran for that group. Weirdly, at just twenty three, right? He really is. I mean, that's kind of his game too. I feel like, like he's very. Yeah. Like, I think Brandon Clark is also twenty three, the rookie. So really? Yeah, because he was a five year guy, I think, in college. So they've got those two as the the vets. The vets, God, what a young! I mean, that 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 team is exciting, honestly. Like, yeah, that, I love that like, team. team. Yeah, they have a good team. All right, uh, let's wrap up with some actual basketball talk. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, you were out, you're out on the West Coast with the team right now. Um, and a really, really exciting game, actually, last night um, against the Clippers. Um, Jimmy Butler injured his, what, his shoulder? Was that the diagnosis? Or? Yeah, strained right shoulder. I strained right shoulder. Uh, I guess we won't talk too much about that because we don't know what the, we still don't have any like specifics on the injury, and we don't want all this to be super outdated by the time you guys listen to this. If something like crazy happens, maybe we, we'll record an addendum or something. Yeah. Well, uh, also, let me also I will say this: he is scheduled, and this will probably happen by the time you listen to this. Yeah. But he is scheduled for MRI when the team gets to Sacramento today on Thursday. Um, but speaking to someone that's close to Jimmy, they don't believe that the injury is serious, which is obviously very good for the Heat. Yeah. Um, they think it's, it's not, it's, it shouldn't be an issue. Whether he misses one or two games, maybe, but this doesn't look to be a long-term issue. Yeah. Maybe he can get out of the All-Star game if he wants to. I'm okay with that. One less guy to All-Star <laughs> he can. Yeah. Like, um, the whole is going. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I know it was uh, ended up being like an 18-point loss or 17, 16-point loss, something like that. I don't remember the final score, but um, a pretty impressive showing – uh, by the Heat last night against the Clippers, who, you know, last night they played the Clippers, Paul George didn't play. Last night, uh, Paul George and Kawhi played, and Jimmy didn't play most of the second half, and it was still like a six-point game with four minutes left or something like that before Landry Shamit hit like 17 threes yeah. in a row. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Clippers hit a franchise record, 24 threes. Yeah. So it was just that type of night, and, the, and it was actually the most threes the Heat have ever allowed in the game as well. Yeah. Um, so it was just, you know... You're gonna lose on that night when you when you allow a franchise record amount of threes like you're gonna lose. So, and the Heat, like you said, I mean they were entering the game. One of the one of one national reporter before the game came up to me, and he said, uh, I don't know what the line is of this game, but I would if I was a betting man, I would bet the house that the Heat are gonna get blown out, um, just because of the trade distractions and like guys didn't know who was playing, guys were being held out. Tyler, obviously Tyler, not Tyler, Dion Waiters and James Johnson were held out. Um, it was kind of a weird scene in that locker room before the game because guys were just checking their phones. They didn't know what was going on. Um, they didn't know if they were involved in the deal. So it was just it was just a weird night. And for them to even make it close in the end, I mean, that's yeah. You know, I guess the Clippers technically good. covered. I assume the spread was smaller than sixteen or whatever the final deficit was. But like like I said, it was really close game at the end. Derek Jones like if there's a yeah, maybe Derek Jones was worried he was gonna 
be thrown into these trade talks, and he was like, hey, man, you guys got to keep me. He was, like, that was the best I've ever seen him play, like, easily, right? Yeah, I mean, offensively, definitely. I mean, it was a yeah, good points, 10 of 12 shooting, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, and it wasn't just dunks, you know. It was, yeah, he hit a couple yeah, threes. Yeah, he had, obviously, a lot of nice dunks at this game, but he mixed it up, you know, with, with a good you know, a few threes. He was getting you know, getting points off the dribble, which kind of has been an issue for him in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the nine rebounds, the three assists. I mean, yeah, the three assists was like that was kind of what popped to me. And I guess yeah. I'm looking at his game log now because I was wondering like, oh, what's the last time he had three assists? He had three against Orlando, I guess, on Saturday. But um, yeah, I mean, that was that felt like the best he was like, like you were saying, creating off the dribble, like best he was playmaking, quote unquote, just like. Not just catching lobs and, you know, not just shooting corner threes. Like, he was doing stuff that um, that he just really haven't asked him to do very often this year. And, and But I think that they, if they're going to give him a multi-year extension, it's because they think he has a chance to at least do some of that kind of stuff, even if not at that level. Right. Yeah. And, and look, he's, he's 22. He's younger than Justice. Like, <laughs> he's, he, you know, he's been around for a couple years now with the Heat, but... You could see his game growing, like it's evident, like from one year to the next. Even from last year, like he's a lot better offensively, um, and even defensively, he's getting better. You know, I, I think he came in here very raw defensively, obviously very raw offensively, um, but he's turned into a really good defender, especially in the zone. Um, I think he's improving as a man-to-man defender, and now you see that he's hitting threes. Which, if nothing else, he just becomes a guy who can hit threes and also use the athleticism to dunk over guys. Like, that's an effective yeah. play, NBA player. So, and it looks like he's getting better, too, off the dribble. So that's just an added bonus. So I, I really think, you know, obviously he's going to get paid this year. He's a free agent. Um, he's going to get he's gonna get a, a nice contract. Um, but he's earned it. He's he's really grown, in, you know, in the Heat's developmental system. And we saw that last night against the Clippers. Yeah, and with James Johnson now gone, um, I mean, those are that's his role, right? They kind of fill a similar role. Obviously, they're they're different sorts of players, but they play the same position. They're both kind of like the defensive forward, three slash four, who can guard multiple positions theoretically. Um, kind of streaky shooters um, from three point range. Um, James Johnson, obviously, more of a, a creator, playmaker than Derek, but just in terms of like now he Derek has gotten pretty consistent minutes. Um, you know, he's basically 20-plus minutes a game all year, or at least basically since the start of December. Um, but the last three games, you look at 31 last night, uh, 37 against Philly, 28 against Orlando. Like, that's kind of what his minute range is potentially going to be. Um, maybe not quite that many once, like, Tyler and, and Myers get back, but yeah. just without James Johnson, like, he has got the consistent minutes, and he's going to have to have a longer leash. Unless Jay Crowder comes in and crashes the rotation, but or Iguodala, Iguodala, or I mean Iguodala too. But I, I'm curious how many minutes they're going to play Iguodala in the regular season. Like that's going to be a big question. We're going to, I think, have to figure yeah. out. Once yeah, it, one thing about Iguodala too, not to go off topic from Derek, but I, I'm interested to see when he's going to be ready to play. Yeah, because I was about to say, what's kind of the, I don't know, is there any, I know the trade isn't even officially announced yet, but, like, is there any sense, and you haven't gotten to talk to the team yet, but is there any sense of, like, when these dudes are showing up? Like, I guess, like, Jay Crowder and, um, uh, who's the other guy? Jay Crowder and Tom Hill, uh, Hill uh, are both going to, I would guess, let me restart that. No problem. 
I would guess Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill will be in Sacramento for the game tomorrow night, but I don't know. Is there any sense of when? I mean, Iguodala filmed that video at the undefeated and, like, basically saying, like, he's excited to play, so I guess he'll hurry up and get to Miami and work out there and stuff, but I don't know. Is there any sense of when he'll show up? I think there's a good chance he'll be in Sacramento. I don't know if he's going to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he has been staying from what I heard in Orange County, so he's not far okay. away. Gotcha. So I think the plan is, and what he told Mark Spears from Undefeated is, he's gonna take take a physical with the Heat on Friday, um, before the Heat Kings game, and I think he might be at shoot around tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so if I get a chance to talk to him at shoot around tomorrow, if he's there, um, Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder, I'm not sure. I think the Mem- I think Memphis played in Dallas on Monday night, so you would think they'd be able to take a flight here. Either Tuesday, I mean, either Thursday or the Heat are so undermanned right now with injuries. Like they got to rush these guys there. Yeah, and those guys are ready to play. I mean, they've been playing all season, so obviously they're. Dawson Hill want a chance to prove he can be in the rotation. You got to show up tomorrow. Yeah, and my, with Myers out, you probably will play, right? Yeah, I mean, they need big men. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Andre. Really, I mean, he's he hasn't played since June. You know, he looks like he's obviously stayed in shape and he's stayed sharp, but you know. Working out is different than playing in an actual NBA game. So it might take a game or two, or it might even take two after the All-Star break. Who knows for him to kind of make his debut with the Heat. Yeah. Anything else you're kind of looking for on this West Coast trip? I guess Jimmy's health is the big one. Right. Um, I guess kind of just like keep an eye on those other injuries. But it would have been really nice for them to get that win against the Clippers last night just to like start off the road trip. But they're... Like we, I think we said this before they went on the road trip. They got a chance to get a couple of wins uh, before the All-Star break, even though it's a five-game swing out west. Yeah, I think, honestly, two and three on this trip, you, you come out fine. You know, you, you kind of survive the trip. Um, but you got to win. Sacramento tomorrow is one of the most winnable games on the trip. I think you try to you got to try to win that, even if you're undermanned. Jimmy might not play. The Heat might still not have Jay, you know, Jay Crowder and, and Solomon Hill, and probably not Iguodala. Um, but that's a, you know that's a game they probably need to win to get two wins on this trip. And then because then they play Portland, which has been playing better. Golden State, which got probably the most winnable game on the trip, and then against Utah to close it out, which Utah's you know one of the better teams in the league. So I think you try to aim for two wins here entering the break. You kind of. It's not only a tough trip, but you're going through a transition phase right now, so yeah. it makes things a little difficult. But um, two out of five, I think you take it. Yeah, I think I said off mic uh, like a week ago, like I could I could see this West Coast trip being rough for the Heat because you know injuries were starting to pile up. They haven't been playing as well for the last I don't know the month last month compared to like the first couple months. Um, yeah, obviously still winning a lot, but just it's all relative. Um, and then obviously with the trade deadline and then just going into the All-Star break, kind of hitting the doldrums of the year. Um, I was always kind of looking at the All-Star break as like a chance for them to reset, and it really feels like that's like yeah. going to be a tale of, I don't want to say two halves to the season um, for the Heat, but like I, I would guess that things kind of, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're going to look different in two weeks than they do, than they're even going to look for the rest of this West Coast trip. Yeah, I, I totally that's, agree. That's it's, figure out what they're doing. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that All-Star break is going to come in a good time after this trip and also just to kind of get guys on the same page with the new additions. Um, I think you'll start to kind of see this team as a whole, you know, kind of the complete Heat team for the rest of the season. I think you'll start seeing that after the break. So you just got to get through this trip, get a couple wins, and just move on. 
Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you want to plug before we uh, finish up? Um, this upcoming Sunday, I'll, and obviously even tomorrow, hope, you know, if we talk to Andre, we'll have more on Andre Iguodala. But I'm planning a bigger piece, um, kind of on how he fits with the Heat, the organization. Um, for Sunday's paper. It should be posted online Saturday, so just look out for that. Um, you know, I haven't written it yet, but hopefully it'll be pretty <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah, right. hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang, and if you are also a Dolphins fan, you should read his story about Udonis Haslam talking about what a Dolphins Super Bowl would mean to him, because that was a good part of our Super Bowl coverage. Um, I think he speaks for a lot of Miami sports fans um, as Mr. Miami. Um, yeah, that was one of the things about that. I was pretty. I was surprised that he said that. Uh, it was like basically the championship. Yeah, like that's. I mean, I can't, as someone from Miami, that's pretty obvious. But for a Heat player to admit that, like, that's pretty. I, I was. I was kind of surprised that he did that. But it's true. I mean, he was being honest. Like a Heat, yeah. a Dolphin Super Bowl would be on another level than a Heat championship. It just yeah. would. Were you, were you a think, Dolphins and Heat guy growing up in Miami? Like, were those, did you root for both those teams? I did, unfortunately for the Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. you, do you feel kind of the same way? Like, I know, obviously you're more of a basketball guy. It seems like just from knowing you. I don't know if that's new because like you cover the NBA, but like, I don't know. Did you always kind of get that feeling just that the a Dolphins championship would be on another level? For me personally, it w- I don't think it would be because um, you're an NBA guy. I, yeah, I guess, but I, I, I mean, I grew up playing football, so I'm, I, okay. that was my sport growing up, and right. I always, I love football, but I just, I've kind of become, in, like, I, when I, as I got older, I grew indifferent with the Dolphins, just because they never did anything good, so I just lost, like, I, it's like that, the, the generation before me, that they grew up with the Dolphins being really, really good, and that's why they're such big fans, yeah, uh, if you like I grew up, up in the like 80s, 80s or exactly. 70s, yeah. I think that plays a role, and, and like, you know, you talk to you know, different guys my age who who grew up in Miami, I think they'll say the same thing where, like, the Heat are their Dolphins. So yeah. I think it would be different just because others feel differently, like the other older generation that grew up with the Dolphins. But yeah. um, for me personally, I don't know if I feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, and UD is, like, that generation, what, he's probably, like, 12 years older than you, something like that. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least like, 10, years, 10 years older than you. I don't know exactly yeah. how old he is, yeah, but like he's, like, that, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's like that generation right above you, so. Yeah, yeah. Make um, you can follow me on Twitter, at DBWilson2. Um, I don't know, I was doing Super Bowl stuff, mostly. Trade deadline stuff. Check out all our trade deadline coverage. Because um, you could, if you're, I mean, if you got to the end of this, you know what, what we think and all the stuff we wrote. But you can read it also, if you'd rather. Um, At least click on it. At least click on it. Yeah, just click on it. You don't have to read it. Just click on it. Um, I also wrote a Super Bowl story about uh, Prince that people seem to like, so uh, you can check that out about his halftime show in 2007. Um, But, yeah, uh, other than that, um, it's been trade deadline. It's been National Signing Day was yesterday. So we had a lot of news at MiamiHerald.com. So uh, just go to the website. Um, All right, anything else? Are we finished? We're done. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later.